This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. And we talk about the sexual arena a lot, and specifically how Porn and how sexual sin destroys the lives of those who get in bondage to it or consume it. But there's another side to the story, and that is that those who create that product, create pornography, their lives are destroyed too. And and there are real people with real stories. And I've talked to ex-porn actors and actresses and I've heard that they hate the actors or the actresses that they're performing for on screen. Many are often drunk or stoned out of their mind. Abuse and coercion is common on the sets. Some women end up vomiting before they go on to do a scene. Tearing of the vagina and the rectum is common. One ex-porn actress reported that she tore on the very first scene she did and still had to keep going. So today, we're going to talk with a woman who's been there and had her life redeemed by Christ. And Jan Villarubia is a former porn actress and prostitute who turned to Jesus Christ. She is the author of Porn Star on Welfare. Today, Jan works to expose the truths for the porn industry, and she's spoken to politicians and at churches. And she's attended porn conventions to provide hope and healing to the actors and actresses who are still caught up in that bondage. And Jan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I appreciate and love what you're doing. And so let's get started by inviting you to share your story. Sure, of course. Well, um, I was raised in a broken home. My mom and dad divorced when I was only three years old. My mother was very poor and partially disabled, Um, and being raised by a single mom and a weekend-only father, I struggled to find love and support in an environment that seemed just destined for failure and hardship. Uh, My mother was very independent and raised me to be strong and self-sufficient and to seek God, and my father taught me to stand out academically. However, I was constantly torn between two parents who, like, fought all the time and failed to see how much I needed them, so I sought love elsewhere. And because we were very poor, we moved around a lot and were homeless more than a few times. Um, we found shelter in women's homes and with other family members. And when I was about age 10, um, the age of 10, we moved in with my godparents, godsister and godbrother. And not too long after we moved in with them, my godsister began to molest me. Um, and of course, my world just began to spiral downhill after that. 
This went on for about two years um, before I finally mustered the courage to threaten her with telling my mom and her mom as well. Um, I really sought wisdom and insight on the streets of the inner city of Chicago, where I was from. And um, at the time, my mother also had found love with a man from Europe who started whisking her away on trips for sometimes six months at a time, leaving my older sister, who was only about three years older than I, um, to fend for ourselves. And I was forced to deal with things on my own. So I sought safety and escape through gang-affiliated friends. I was really thrown into a world of house parties and marijuana and underage drinking. Um, at the age of 13, I was viciously, viciously raped and robbed of my virginity by a gang member who I thought that I could trust. But I was too scared to tell anyone out of fear of retaliation. Mm. And then around the age of 15, I met my high school sweetheart, and he was homeless. Um, his mother had kicked him out because she was an abusive alcoholic. And so I felt a kindred spirit with him and wanted to love him in the way that I longed to be loved. Um, I got pregnant at the age of 17 and became an emancipated minor. We lived in a rat-infested basement that we rented for about $200 a month, but he was very immature and irresponsible and wouldn't keep a job. So we were forced to move back in with my mother, but she wouldn't allow us to stay with her unless we got married. So, of course, I did because I didn't want to be homeless and I didn't want my child to be homeless. But I knew that my marriage was going to be doomed before I even said I do. Um, about a year of marriage and another child later, I just found myself being feeling so desperate um, because I was forced to not only raise a child, but also raise this man. And I began escorting and doing dominatrix work while he just happily ushered me around John the Don, John, like a glorified pimp. Um, I struggled to go back to school and work legitimately. And it was just never enough. Time marched on and we had another child stayed together another eight years before I finally divorced him um, for constantly cheating on me and even marrying somebody else while we were still married. Mm. And, you know, just again, I found myself on the brink of homelessness and I had no support from him. I had no support from my family. There was really nobody that I could turn to. So I took measures into my own hands. Um, and I want people to really understand that my journey into the porn industry was justified by my desperate need to feed my three children. I was a destitute single mother who would have done anything for them. Uh, I was a porn actress in the industry for about a year and a half from 2006 to 2007. During that time, I suffered tremendously at the hands of porn producers. I was coerced and forced to do scenes that I never agreed to. I was given drugs and alcohol before being filmed, and then the porn producers would also record me prior to filming, saying that I was not under the influence of any drugs or alcohol. I was forced into doing privates, which is just prostitution. Uh, the porn producers would send me to their friends or a location of their choosing so I could sleep with them under the lie of it being a film. I gladly accepted the drugs and alcohol because I didn't want to feel the pain of penetration from an oversized man or from being told to hold poses for still camera shots while being penetrated and choked. Every scene was at least two hours or more because of the need to do freeze frame pics and get good angles and lighting. I was de uh, degraded on camera. I, I had to like it or else no pay. I was called horrible degrading names. And because I was also in the BBW niche, which stands for big, beautiful women. Uh, my weight was consistently used as a form of exploitation and insult. 
And I was even threatened to not lose weight or else I would never make it in the industry. Um, later on, I performed in a brutal gangbang for Devil's Films. And the porn producers lied to me. They told me that it was only going to be about 10 to 15 men and that I was not going to have to have sex with all of them. They offered me more than I had ever made in any other film. And I thought, okay, this could be my ticket out. Um, I tried to like really prepare myself mentally and physically before the shoot. Um, But I was so sick to my stomach at the thought of it that I couldn't eat much leading up to the day of the shoot. And when the day came, the producer came to my dressing room and offered me drugs and alcohol. And after taking some, he told me that I was actually going to have to sleep with 25 guys and also do some anal. I completely lost all sense of self in that moment and just vomited. I was extremely sick. Um, But he told me that I had to do it or else they were just going to find somebody else. And then I was going to lose out on that money that they had promised me. Uh, And during the scene, I even blacked out briefly, but they kept filming. And then after the film was done, the men that were in the film with me started coming up to me and asking me for my autographs and for pictures. I was so confused. Um, I didn't understand what was happening. But then I later found out that most of the men on the film with me were not actors, but they were actually fans who had answered an ad um, to come work with their favorite porn star. I was just beside myself emotionally, mentally, and physically. I had no idea what I had just exposed myself to. And, you know, industry testing standards are a farce. They only made performers get tested every 28 days. And so during that time, most performers are doing at least two films a day, three times a week. And that's not even including their own personal websites or other streaming platforms and their private sex lives. They're constantly being exposed to chlamydia, gonorrhea, herpes, at risk for HIV and AIDS. You know, but the industry makes you believe that their testing protocols are the end all to protecting you. You know, porn really preys on the desperate and the destitute. I was coerced into doing unspeakable things that I never agreed to. But if I didn't, my children wouldn't have been fed, clothed, and sheltered. Um, at the end of it all, I almost took my life, but I cried out to God instead. And in his great mercy, he heard me, of course, and sent someone to help redirect my life and also become a mentor to me and help mold me into the activist that I have become. So for almost 15 years now since leaving porn, I have fought to, you know, shine the light of truth behind the killer porn industry. I've traveled abroad and been on, you know, different radio outlets, television shows and magazines. And in 2012, we actually helped to get Measure B passed, which is also known as the condom law in L.A. County. Um, And I've boldly spoken out about Christ's love and salvation and the harms of pornography inside porn conventions. I voluntarily consult with other organizations to help publish books and articles. You know, I I was raised in church, but I let life circumstances get the best of me. I've worked relentlessly to not only turn my life around and become a licensed marriage and family therapist, ordained chaplain and activist since leaving the industry, but I regularly advocate for youth, especially adolescent girls and young women. And what I really want people to understand and to know is that the porn industry is a killer industry. People are dying. Actresses like Olivia Lua, Shyla Stiles, Olivia Nova, Yuri Love, and August Ames all died with just, you know, just in, um, within weeks of each other. They had mental health issues. Performers are negatively affected by the sex work stigma complicated by any pre-existing mental health issues. Like porn actor Bill Bailey died attending a sex festival in Mexico City with his girlfriend. 
He plunged to his death during the event. It's not just within the States either. Just seven days ago, this was very recent, a missing Japanese porn star was found dead naked and tied to a tree in a remote forest. And I just really believe that, like, Steve McNoughan, who's a psychoanalyst and founder of Mind Fixtures um, and owner of the McGowan Clinic, said that nearly 90% of women in the sex industry said they wanted to escape but had no other means for survival and also experienced post-traumatic stress disorder at rates of nearly 70% equivalent to veterans of combat war. You know, there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes that people have no idea about. And my story is not the exception. It's the industry standard. Porn isn't glamorous. Glamorous, there isn't anything real about it. It's a sick industry filled with broken people. Mm. Well, thank you for being willing to share this. And some questions. You said you're raised in the church, and what what do you think mm-hmm. went went wrong there? Um, being started off in the church, what was missing? I don't think I had a full understanding of God's love. Um, not really having a father figure, and I know that may sound a little cliche to some people, but it's the truth. You know, a lot of young girls who don't have that godly father figure, that that man who can, you know, stand with them, stand um, beside them and say, you know, this is what life should be. This is how a man should treat you. This is what you deserve really affects them. And it affected me. Um, You know, my mom did her best. She did. And, you know, I know now that with the things that they were dealing with, they, they tried as best as they could, but it wasn't enough. And so seeking that love elsewhere um, was always on my mind and my heart. I didn't know God for the Father that really loved me and cared for me and had the best for me. Mm. So having a dad say, I love you and hug you and take you out on dates, that would have made a big difference? I believe so. I mean, you know, like I said, for me personally, my, my dad was mostly a weekend dad. And even though he did great things with us on the weekends, you know, it, it wasn't enough to consistently be in every part of my life. And I didn't really get that encouragement that I needed from him to know that I was enough within myself and that I didn't have to use these other avenues to seek, um, you know, affection and attention. Mm. You were raped at the age of 13, and, and that is extremely traumatic. And how did you heal from not only that, but what you went through, um, you know, with shooting the movies and being a prostitute, that's a lot of trauma to recover from. It is, and it took me a very long time. Um, and it affected, you know, my relationships, of course. Um, it kind of seeped into everything that I was. Um, you know, my self-worth, self-value, um, it caused mental health issues for me. I've had, you know, anxiety attacks and, and mental health breakdowns and you know, it, it's been very hard, especially because of having to raise kids during all of this, you know, um, and really just trying to find myself. But if it wasn't for strong um, pastoral care and my sister, especially, um, who has always been my biggest cheerleader and really just helped pray through all of this stuff with me, um, you know, and, and mentor me, and then also my mentor, Shelly Lubin, who was the founder of the Pink Cross Foundation, who unfortunately also committed suicide. Um, you know, if it wasn't for her for years and years and years, just being there by my side and, and helping me through 
all of this, I, I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't be here today. Um, but of course, first and foremost, I attribute, you know, me still being here to God that he still has awesome plans for me and, you know, really diving deeper into his word and his truth for me. Mm. Yeah, I met Shelly in 2005. And uh, when I heard what happened in 2018, it was just tragic. And and, uh, yeah, I mean, the porn industry definitely took a toll on her and her family. Um, you know, she was constantly berated and attacked and threatened. Um, there was so many times that even before we went into a porn convention to speak out that, you know, we had threats. Like, they actually had to change our physical location within the convention because of the threats that we faced. So I'm assuming you must face some spiritual warfare being open about these issues somewhere along the line. All the time. <laughs> Um, it happens quite often, um, but, you know, I've become quite the prayer warrior, and I'm just bathed in prayer, and I have a lot of people praying for me all the time. Um, I love my church family, and so it really makes a difference to have that, you know, so- social support as well as the spiritual support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can say we experience the same thing. In fact, I'm um, leading up to this show. I've gone through <laughs> plenty of warfare, so... Um, you must see, too, that when you're about to do something where you're opening up and exposing Satan's lies, that perhaps you get hit. Yeah. And I'm no stranger to it now, so I, I kind of welcome it because that helps me understand that I'm on the right track, <laughs> that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, you know, I'm just confident in God's Word and His truth where He says He'll protect me. You know, that he, he tells me not to be discouraged. He tells me not to be worried because he fights my battles for me. And so I just fully give it over to him. So if you were to stand in front of a church and frame the porn industry as a mission field, what would you say? Um, I would say that the greatest need is definitely in women. Uh, women and, and teaching men you know, how to protect women. Um, I guess, like my pastor, for instance, my co-pastor, Pastor Aaron Hansel um, at the Discovery Church here in North Las Vegas, he he's a huge advocate um, for, you know, anti-porn, anti-human trafficking, and he really works with men um, because men can make the dramatic difference at the end of the day. Men are the ones that can come beside women, come beside their young girls, and really encourage them and show them the love that they need and, and you know, teach them what that looks like. Um, you know, men can change the game <laughs> at the end of the day. And with the women in the porn industry, um, really still, like, reaching out to those women. Um, there's so many women who are trapped in this industry because they just believe that they have no other outlet. They believe that they have no other choice. Um, and so for me personally, my heart is reaching to reaching out to young girls and, and getting them in those delicate ages, that time frame, like between 10 and 13 years old, where, you know, they're really facing peer pressure and they're seeking identity and, you know, they don't know where to turn because they're in abusive homes. Um, And they think that, you know, so little of themselves that this is something that they have to do in order to gain um, love and affection and attention and be financially stable. 
Um, so really just reaching out to those kinds of people is so desperately needed. And a lot of people are not willing to do that because of the spiritual attacks that come with it and because of how heavy it is. Like just if you really sat down with some of the porn actresses and heard their stories, and it's not hard to find either. Um, you know, if you do some research, you'll find a lot of testimonies similar to mine. But it's so hard for women to speak out because they're scared. They're scared or they just are so traumatized that they just don't even want to relive what happened to them. And uh, so kind of looking at the whole idea of, you know, a man masturbating to pornography at some level, are they is the church where two-thirds of Christian men are viewing porn and maybe a third of women, are we, in a sense, supporting Satan's work? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, porn is definitely the devil's work. Um, There's nothing holy or pure about it, and it's giving off this fake um, idea of what sex is supposed to be when there's nothing natural about it. I mean, you know, if if you look at my story and what I just said, and if you look into other people's stories, you see the trauma, you see the brokenness, you see um, the pain and the suffering that's happening off camera. You know, this is the reality of the porn industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're feeding into that. You're feeding into the brokenness. You're feeding into the darkness every time you click on um, some porn, every time you watch it and view it. From your perspective, why do you think so many churches are silent about sex, porn, masturbation? I just think that there's such a stigma surrounding the whole topic. Um, and, And I think really if more churches were willing to be educated on what's really happening and inside of their own church um, and and with their congregation and how people are suffering from sexual sin, that that would really, you know, change things. It would change the dynamic. It would, it would help people get that feeling that they need. So more pastors just really need to be willing to step up and, and have these kinds of tough conversations. As Christians, we're called to be bold, you know, bold in Christ, and he's given us that strength, and he's given us that courage to speak out, to disciple, to evangelize, and we need to do that, you know, with these kinds of topics. Amen, and I love it. So tell me, uh, what, do you, what do you see with some women you've helped out of the porn industry? What does that look like? That looks like just finding resources and programs in whatever state they may be in to help, you know, um, get them back into, number one, counseling, um, trying to find free counseling for them, but also, you know, finding um, employment with them, really staying by their side, praying with them, you know, advocating for them, um, you know, and some women choose to stay in the industry as well. And um, until they feel safe enough to come out, it's really just being that support to them and Saying, you know, I'll pray with you if you need prayer, um, and and not not bringing such harsh judgment down on them. They've they've had enough in that in their life, um, and making sure that they're at a healthy enough place to be able to get out and break free and get into a normal life again. And it's not easy. And a lot of women who actually have come out of the porn industry go back in because there's not enough people saying, you know what, we're going to come beside you, we're going to support you. We're going to help you. What is it that you need? Mm. We have a minute left. Um, so anything you want to say to our listeners? Just stop watching porn. 
if you're watching porn right now, just stop. Um, there's there's nothing beneficial to you or to your life by, by doing it. And you're also just helping to um, support human trafficking, sex trafficking, tra- oh, excuse me, trafficking. You know, you're, you're adding to the degradation of human lives. So if you really care about that piece of it, then just stop what you're doing now and, and seek help for it. Amen. Jan, I, I love so much that you're opening this up, and I, I love the ministry you're in. I love that you're being bold, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.